Okay, I'm, I'm going to try and, and, and do something uh, because I started in, in, in the first service. Let me just give you the title of my sermon, first of all. I spoke about the gathering of the church. And interesting, the word church means gathering. <laughs> it means a body called together uh, or called out. And so really the title says the gathering of the gathering. And I was focusing in the first service about how important it is to, to gather uh, as believers. And I gave a few uh, just a, a key words that would help us. And I'm going to continue with that because I have 75 of them to mention. <laughs> and <laughs> you don't have an evening service, are we free, eh? <laughs> so, so here's the first key word. Uh, when we gather, there must be the element of adoration. It is all about Jesus. It's about worship. It's about um, giving him the honor and the praise that he is worthy of. And Jesus must be at the center of it all. Then I shared with the first service as well that um, after adoration comes supplication. Where we ask God for things. And prayer is... A vital thing and I think this it's time event just again highlighted how important corporate prayer is not just to pray on your own but to pray together with other believers and then we spoke thirdly about harmonization being in unity being in agreement with with other believers and dealing with things like division and unforgiveness and strife bitterness and criticism and and I do believe that unity is not uniformity God is a God of diversity, and God made you unique. You don't have to be a clone of anyone else. But, but God wants us to, to see within the unity uh, that, that we can celebrate our diversity as well, as long as we make harmony together. And I spoke about God, uh, the church being God's symphony orchestra. And then the fourth key word that I dealt with in the first service was non-discrimination. And the Bible is very clear about that, that God has called us out of every tribe and tongue and nation. We are called out of those things. <laughs> so what defines you? Sometimes people say, well, I'm of this tribe or I speak this language or I am of this nation. No, what defines us first is I am a child of God and I'm part of the church of Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. So uh, I, I'm going to continue and give you the next key word, uh, and that is the word consideration. Consideration, there we go. And when we get together, there must be concern for others. We must not come with a self-centered kind of attitude. And there's a scripture in Hebrews 10, and verses 24 and 25, and it says, let us consider one another. And the Greek word, there's a beautiful word. It actually means to fix your thinking attentively. Wow. Who do you think about when you come to church? Yourself? Or do you think of others? And that is how we should come together. Consider one another. And I want to come back to the scripture a little bit later. Now, Paul, when he writes to us about communion in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 33, it's very interesting uh, that he uses this phrase, come together five times in this passage. 
So obviously, there's an emphasis here about the, the togetherness. And, and incidentally, he says in verse 20, therefore, when you come together in one place, there's a tendency, there's a kind of teaching that says, well, we shouldn't meet in church buildings anymore. I have a very deep revelation about a ch church building. Why do we need church buildings? I know this is very deep. I'll say it slowly. So that we can come together in all kinds of weather. If it's too deep for you, <laughs> I'll try and give something else later. But in verse 33 of 1 Corinthians 11, Paul, when he, when he speaks about the communal meal or the communion meal, he says, wait for one another. That speaks about consideration for one another, not looking just at, at yourself. And so when you come to church, God will meet your needs if you focus on him first and then on others. That's the amazing thing. And you'll walk away with a full heart, knowing that he's actually met your, your need. Sister Pell, I, I'm reminded of, you know, when we had the, the minister's uh, uh, organization and we had regional meetings. I, I'll never forget one regional meeting. There was one of the pastors that missed the meeting, I think three times. And I thought after the one meeting, I'm gonna phone him and find out why does he come? Why doesn't he come to the meeting? So. I phoned him and I said, we missed you. He said, yeah, I, I, I know I wasn't there. I said, why didn't you come? He said, because I didn't need anything. <laughs> I said, okay, I will make an arrangement for you, with you. Next time, I don't want you to just come. I want you to speak. Come and tell us, how do you get to the point where you need nothing from nobody? <laughs> because we need each other. So... Consideration is a vital part of our gathering together. And then this next one, maybe I should skip this one. Donation, because I know the most sensitive nerve is the one that runs from your brain to your purse. <laughs> and actually, I don't like the word donation uh, because it sounds like a once-off gift or grant that you give. And when you read in the New Testament, it says that, that they often met together and they, they, in fact, it says they shared everything that, I, that they had. So they regularly gave. It was a lifestyle, not just a once-off thing. Not just once in a blue moon. And I have news for you blue moon givers. This year has two blue moons. Usually <laughs> you get one every two or three years. So at least you have another opportunity this year. <laughs> or if you're a believer in the blood moons, then give whatever moon it is. But it's so important for, for us to realize that God brings us together so that we can bring something uh, uh, to our gathering. In 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2, it speaks about the fact that the believers gathered together, it says, on the first day of the week, which by the way is Sunday. And the reason why he says on the first day of the week, put something aside, a portion of, of the money that you have earned, is because we need to bring our gifts to the storehouse. Say amen, say aina, say aish, say something because it's true. 
And you know, when, sometimes when it comes to the offering, some people squeeze uh, the, the money so hard that Madiba's eyes start tearing up. <laughs> okay, maybe I should continue here, not spend too much time on this one. Here's the next important word, coordination. Coordination, and by coordination, I, I mean that there should be order, there should be uh, uh, well-arranged things. I think Byron spoke about the meeting yesterday and said that the, the organization was outstanding. And every time we are here, I'm so glad, I feel so comfortable because they tell me exactly this is how things will happen. And uh, there's order, and I'm not talking about a cold, remote, rigorous, religious kind of regulation in a service. I'm not referring to legalistic control, but God is a God of order. And it's so amazing, the very chapter that speaks about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 14, it's in that, that chapter that Paul speaks about the, the need for order. And he says, if the whole church, and there's that phrase again, comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? And so there is a need for order, divine order. The gifts should operate, and I'm, I'll, I'll get to that later. Uh, in verse 33 of the same chapter, it says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, of harmony. And then he says, let all things be done decently and in order. And I, I went and looked up that word order in verse 40. Do you know what the Greek word is? This might shock you. Taxis. Now, I'll be honest with you, when I think of taxis, <laughs> order is not the first thing that comes into my mind. <laughs> but it actually means that everything has a place and has a rank. And I have actually found out I wanted to take some overseas guests uh, uh, to, to Alex and wanted them to see some of the ministry um, things there. And, and I went, uh, decided the best way to take them is to get a taxi. So I went to the taxi rank and I said to the guy, please take us to Alex. He says, under no circumstances. I said, why? He says, they'll kill me. He says, I can only go to Soweto. So there is some order. <laughs> and in the church, there should be order. Now, it's very interesting. One of the, the Greek words for come together is actually, and in fact, it's the, it's the same word that we get the word synagogue from. It actually means to lead people together. So God appoints leaders in the church to make sure that people get blessed in the service because if there's chaos, no one will get blessed. So in order to have order, someone must give the orders. And we need to respect the leadership when we, we, we come together. Let me continue. Uh, the next key word, and I think this is an important one, is the word edification. And uh, Cor and I, our ministry is called Edify with an I at the end because we realized how important it is for people to be edified or to be built up. Now, I want to read a scripture to you uh, again in, in 1 Corinthians 14. 
And in verse 26, now, when I read the scripture, I am convinced that Paul must have been South African. <laughs> Not only that, I think he must have come from the south of Johannesburg, because listen how he starts this verse. Hazard. <laughs> Hazard then, brethren. Whenever you come together, there it is again. Each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Now, the word there in the Greek literally means exactly what the English also says. When we speak about a fancy building, we call it an edifice. It's something that has been constructed beautifully. And so here's what Paul says. We need to make sure that we build others up, that we, uh, we don't break them down, we don't tear them down, but that we, we build them up. And there's a, an amazing scripture for me in Acts 20 and verse 32, where Paul actually says to the elders of Ephesus, he says, I'm going to commend you to the word of God's grace which is able to build you up. I have been in full-time ministry, and we're so thankful for that for about 42 years. And I'm more passionate about the Word of God than I've ever been in my whole life. Because I've seen what difference God's Word can make in people's lives. God's Word can build you up. And that is why it's so vital when we come together that we receive God's word because we need the building up. We need the nourishment that we spoke about in the break. That's, that's so vital. We need to be built up by the word of God. I was invited to a particular church. I will not mention the name just to protect the guilty. <laughs> but um, there was a very poor attendance and, and, and so the pastor wasn't there and one of the elders... Um, said to me, I'm, I'm so sorry that we do not have a lot of people here today. So I said to him, did you advertise the services? He says, yes. I said, okay, maybe that's why they didn't come. <laughs> because there was another church that once invited me to speak on a topic, the topic of hell. And I said, that's not my favorite topic. He said, but we need to address this too. So I didn't mind that, but I... I, I didn't like the way they advertised the services. They, they advertised it this way. Do you want to know what hell is about? Come listen to Mark Hodgetts and find out. <laughs> so in any case... <laughs> I was in this church and there was really such a poor attendance. So he said, I need to apologize and I'll tell you why we do not have many people in this church. And it used to be a thriving church before that pastor took over. He says, because our pastor has a ministry of discipline. Now I had to give him points at least for the most unique excuse for a poor attendance that I've heard. And I, I, I thought about this. If you apply discipline in a biblical way, it will not tear the church down. It will build the church up. 
Because we don't apply discipline to get rid of offenders, but we do it to restore offenders. And so that's what we, we want you to receive when you come to church on a Sunday. That you will be, uh, walk out of here and you will feel, I've been edified. Let me get to the next one. Exhortation. Exhortation means encouragement. Oh my, you, need, you leave some church services and you're more discouraged than ever. A church service is supposed to encourage you. Let me come back to a scripture that I read earlier in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good, good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, some but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. So this is what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to encourage people. When you come to church, find somebody to encourage. Amen. And, and here's an important thing he says here, um, that some people have the habit of neglecting the gathering of the saints. It's a bad habit. Now, I'll be honest. I know some people come to church just out of habit, but it's not a bad habit. It's a good habit. <laughs> I, I was preaching in, in a particular church one day, and right in front of me sat a guy about here where this young man sitting. And he was sitting, and he was going like this while I was preaching. <laughs> Amen. And I, ladies, let me, let me tell you, you, you think men cannot multitask. We can. <laughs> I was preaching. I was watching this guy. I was speaking to the Lord, complaining about him. <laughs> I was doing that all at the same time. So I'm preaching and I'm watching this guy and I'm saying, God, look at this guy. I'm preaching my heart out and he's fast asleep <laughs> in the service. And you know, I don't know if God speaks to you the way he does to me, but the Lord clearly said to me, at least he's sleeping in church. <laughs> and I clearly heard the Lord say, well, you know, if, if I can catch him in a waking moment, I can change his life forever. And so please, let me say this. If you're here this morning just out of habit, just out of tradition, please don't stop that. Keep on coming. I'm so glad. Uh, I was four years old when we moved into the house right next door to the church. Every time those doors opened, we were there. I went to the ladies' meetings <laughs> with my mother. But I mean, we had morning service, evening service, midweek services, youth services, prayer meetings, every time the doors open. And I'm so glad for us, for Cor and I, on a Sunday, if we're on holiday, and, and for me, it's almost subnormal not to, to be in church. Because it's a good habit. And by the way, there can be good traditions that you can hand to the next generation. So, so it was only when I was 12 years old that we moved 
and we moved to the house on the other side of the church. <laughs> and Cora had a similar upbringing. She, they lived just around the corner from the church. So let me say this. We have developed a habit, and it's a good habit. You can do the same. And, and, and I, I, I think we were bad news for the church janitor because we lived so close to the church. We were the last ones to leave always. Because we had such a short journey to our house. So we didn't mind. We stayed there. And uh, he even sometimes had to tell us we're going to lock up. Now, let me say this. You might think this is not spiritual. This is not important. This is not big. I want to say don't be in a hurry to get away from church. Spend some time in fellowship with people. Sometimes the meeting after the meeting is as important as the meeting. Talk to friends, encourage, pray with one another. Do, do that. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, and I'm not giving myself out as a big time preacher, but I've seen these guys that, you know, they come in halfway through the service, they're not part of the worship. The, the moment they say amen, they're whisked away by 15 bodyguards. <laughs> and I've been to places where we, we minister overseas, and they want to take us out, and I said, just leave me. I want to talk to the people because there's an opportunity sometimes just to speak a word in someone's life, very sp uh, special, very personal, that God wants to give. Amen. And just by the way, let me speak to this young man here. You've been asking God for something. And it's time is not just for the nation, it's for you. God says it's time. It's going to happen. Amen. So it's important that we, when we gather together as a church, here's what he says, stir up love, stir up good works, exhort, encourage one another. Amen. Let me get to the next key word, and it's the word manifestation. We should invite and embrace the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our services. John, can I just say, I have so much appreciation, again, for the way you're doing things. That ministry microphone. It's so important because I believe in a church where the Holy Spirit is welcome, the action should not be exclusively from the pulpit, but also from the pew. God gives you something. Can I again give you that scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, 26? He says, when you come together, each of you, each of you, so you can come to church with a psalm, with a teaching, with a tongue, with a revelation, with an interpretation. And it's so vital for us to allow that. If you look at the church in, in, in the early days, that's what happened. They, there were prophecies, there were healings, there were miracles. The gifts were allowed to operate. And God has given the gifts so that you could be used in them. God wants the Spirit to, to manifest, to show Himself. Now, just by the way, let me throw this in at no extra cost. When God gives you the gift, you don't own it. It just works through you. I've heard people say, I have the gift of prophecy. No, you don't. It just works through you. I have the gift of healing. Well, go and clean out the hospital. 
It just works through you. And the gift is actually intended for the recipient that you pray for, that you minister to. That's where the gift lands. And, 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 and here's something. Let me just speak about healing. I've long since discovered that God's healing power does not depend on my physical condition or my emotions. And sometimes when you don't feel like it, God can still use you. Because God doesn't use you because of you. God uses you in spite of you. Because, by the way, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are gifts of grace, not something that you deserve. Let me try and, and finish. Proclamation is such an important part of our service because here's what I believe. God wants us to get together for obviously the proclamation of the word, as we said earlier, where believers could be edified, etc., uh, etc. Et but it, it is important to also realize that God prepares you for your proclamation. Not every one of you will stand in this pulpit, but you do have a pulpit. Your pulpit might be your desk at work. Your pulpit might be your workbench, your sales counter, the lunch table, the hospital bed, wherever you are. God wants us to not just proclaim uh, the word here, but he wants us to be prepared for, for proclamation wherever we are. Um, I, I like the scripture we read earlier in Acts 4.31 uh, in the first service at least. It says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So what God does when you come here, he gives you boldness. The Holy Spirit emboldens you to go and proclaim the word of God to whoever he uh, leads it along your path. And then I'll stop at number 12. I won't do all 75. <laughs> Evangelization. You know what? I'm, I'm past the stage where when I give an altar call or an invitation, where I look at immediate results. Because I found that sometimes God works in such different ways. And I always try to give an opportunity for people to receive Jesus, whether anybody responds or not. It's not about my reputation. It's about their salvation. That's what it's about. And I do believe God creates services like these. Um, Whatever the, the, the style or the context of the service is, God wants people to receive eternal life. And again, a very unlikely kind of scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, where it deals with the gifts and the manifestations of the, of the Spirit, he actually speaks about unbelievers. And I know there's a, there's a tendency, you know, the seeker-sensitive kind of movement. I have nothing against that. But I want to say this, the biggest seeker is the Holy Spirit. And if we say, we, I know of some Pentecostal churches that say, we're going to cut out anything to do with tongues or things that might be considered weird by the world. I have news for you. Here's what Paul says. Go and read in that passage. He says, tongues is a sign for unbelievers. 
So if we do not allow tongues to operate in the church, how can they be a sign for the unbelievers? So if you want to be seeker sensitive, fine, I do believe we can become more user-friendly. I think we can be more full of the love of God and more focused on visitors coming to church. But I do believe that we need to allow the manifestations of the Spirit as we spoke earlier because that is part of evangelization. Let me read the scripture to you. Uh, I, I might not read all of it, but it says in verse 23, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and they come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he's convinced by all, he's convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Wow. That's what we need to get back to. Let the gifts operate. Because that's part of evangelization. So I want to conclude with this. I started with adoration and I said in adoration, God is glorified. In edification, believers are edified. In evangelizations, sinners are modified and justified. And with all these things, the devil is horrified. <laughs> if we have a proper church service, we will minister to God properly will minister to others in exactly the same way. And I want to conclude with, uh, with uh, a quote from uh, a man who had a very appropriate name because he speaks about the fact that the church is not just a community club, it's not just a social club or a private members club. And his, his name, as I said, very apt, was William Temple. And he was the Archbishop of Canterbury. And this is one of the most potent quotes about the church that I've heard. He said, the church is the only cooperative society in the world that exists for the benefit of its non-members. <laughs> wow. Let me, let me say that again. The church is the only cooperative society in the world that exists for the benefits of its non-members. You are here today not just for yourself. You are here for the non-members of this church. You are here for unbelievers, for uninformed. And God wants to touch their lives as well. I, uh, I do have another series of teaching this one is on the gathering of the church. I have another one called the scattering of the church. Because it is important to gather. Jesus did say, come to me. But then Jesus also said, go into the world. And it's very interesting that Acts 1.8 where Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth was only fulfilled in Acts 8. One, when persecution came and they were scattered where? From Jerusalem into the very provinces of Judea and Samaria and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. You know the saying that says all roads lead to Rome? 
It's interesting that the book of Acts ends in the city of Rome. Why? Because it was the metropolis of uh, uh, the Roman Empire at that time. And the Romans were really the first people to, to make proper roads. That's why all roads led to Rome. But here's something else. All roads also lead from Rome. And the reason why Paul landed in Rome, in prison, was so that the world could be reached, that the gospel could be preached today in Moraleta Park, in Swane. The ends of the earth. Well, I don't know if we're the ends of the earth. but So I want to encourage you this morning. I want you to, to recommit yourself to the gathering of the saints, the gathering of the church. And I want you to go and, and listen to this again, meditate on this and say, God, what role can I play in this whole thing? Will you stand with me as we pray together? Father, we thank you for giving this insight to us about why you invented the church, why the church was your idea. And we thank you, first of all, that Jesus is the head. He's the owner. He's the builder. He's the founder. He's the Lord of the church. And we want to give him all the glory and all the honor that he is worthy of. And I thank you, Lord, that we will never lose our focus, that Jesus will always be at the center of it. But Lord, I also ask you that you will help us to, to become considerate for other people, that we will edify them, exhort them, encourage them. That you'll help us to not come to the church service with a self-centered kind of attitude. Because it's when we are ready to give to you and to minister to others that you will meet our needs. You promise that you'll be in our midst. And you said, if I be lifted up, you will draw all people unto you. I'm so thankful, Father, for a church like this. And help us to appreciate what we have. Help us, Lord, to devote ourselves anew today to the gathering of the church of the saints and I pray Lord that as the Holy Spirit shows himself and manifests in different ways that people's lives will be touched will be changed people will be healed will be set free will be delivered will receive life all to the glory of the name of Jesus while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, I want to give that opportunity, as I said earlier. If you're here this morning, you heard about the church, and the church is God's family, and you feel, well, I'm not sure whether I am part of the family of God. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. It's so, so easy because Jesus said, if you are born again and the new birth comes, through an encounter with the living God. Only God can give life. And as much as you can remember a natural birthday, you should be able to recall a moment where you were spiritually born anew. 
If you cannot recall that, then today can be that day. You can go and write that date down, the 28th of October, and you can say, this day, God gave me eternal life. If you're not sure if you were to die tonight, that you'll spend eternity in heaven, God wants to give you that assurance. He wants to give you eternal life. So if you want to be included in a prayer that I'm going to pray right now, I want you to, just wherever you are, say, please pray for me and just slip up your hand so I can see it. And I'll include you in that. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Right at the back there. God bless you. You guys right at the back. Thank you. Anybody here? Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Over there too. Anybody else? You haven't raised your hand yet, but you want to be included in this prayer. Thank you. God bless you. We're going to pray together. And I'm going to, to ask that you pray this out loud. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody to pray this after me. Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you right now, just as I am. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Jesus, I invite you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Cleanse me. Wash me and make me brand new. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus died in my place, that he took my sin and my punishment, that he rose from the dead so that I can live. I receive the gift of eternal life. By grace, through faith, I'm now a child of God. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.